Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. Mark chapter 6. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? They took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. King Herod heard about all of this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and this is why his powers are miraculous and they're working in him. Others said, he's Elijah, and still others claimed he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to do it, because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was then greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guest, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she then gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. 
Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we supposed to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Well, how many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two small fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Seven hundred years before Jesus was born, Isaiah the prophet prophesied that the Messiah would be despised and rejected, a man of sorrows. And so in verse 1 we read that Jesus was indeed rejected in his own hometown. Jesus left from where he was and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. And so they asked, where did he get these uh, signs, this wisdom, and so forth. In verse 3, they said, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And his sisters are here with us. And they took offense at him. You see, they took offense because he was familiar. They wanted him to be the same guy he was growing up, just quietly being there as part of the family, Mary's son and the older brother to James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. And uh, his sisters, you know, they knew the sisters. They knew the family. They knew what 
place they had pigeonholed Jesus into. And so the revelation of Jesus as Messiah had not come in his youth. It didn't come until he was fully adult. And the local hometown people were offended because of him. Now, some of this language they use, such as, isn't this Mary's son, is implicit or may have been implying that Jesus didn't have a legal father, that there was some suspicion about the conditions of his birth. But whatever the situation, he was rejected by those that should have received him with gladness, those in Nazareth where he had been raised. And so sadly, they rejected him. Now, I want to point out something from this passage as well. It says, Mary's son, and then it names four brothers and mentions sisters. Now, there is um, there are some that believe that Jesus was an only child or that Mary did not have any other children. She was um, a perpetual virgin. The Bible doesn't bear that out. It says here clearly that he had four brothers or four half-brothers. Of course, God was the father of Jesus, but Mary was his mother, and then Jesus' human father, Joseph, fathered these other children with Mary. So as we read this passage, uh, Joseph, the father of Jesus, is not in view. He may have died um, prior to this time in Jesus' life. We don't know. But the local people were talking in a very negative way about Jesus. And so we read in this same passage that King Herod had John the Baptist um, beheaded. And John the Baptist was um, confronting King Herod in his sin about marrying his brother Philip's wife, Herodias. Interestingly, Herod heard John, and he was puzzled, but he liked to listen to him. In other words, he was attracted by the Word of God, but he never responded to the Word of God. It's very sad. So he used to go and listen to John, even though John rebuked him. There was something in Herod that longed for the truth, and when he heard the truth of John's lips, he was drawn in. But yet he refused to repent, and sadly, his, uh, his ultimate sin toward John was having him killed to please his wife and his wife's daughter, apparently by another marriage. Jesus had authority over nature, and uh, in verse 48 and following, we see him walking on the lake. This is the Sea of Galilee. And as he was walking on the lake, he walked to the, the boat, and got in, and the wind died down. It was a terrible windstorm. And so this upending the laws of nature, being able to walk on water and causing wind to, to die down, these are not natural things. These were further proofs that Jesus was the Son of God, not just a messianic authority, but the Son of God himself. And he's the healer of Israel and the healer of all who come to him. In the last few verses of this chapter, they brought the sick to him and they begged him to let them touch even the edges of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. And so friends, Jesus still cares. Jesus still heals. Jesus still has authority over nature and the natural order of things. Jesus is far greater than any prophet that ever lived. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah of both Jew and Gentile alike. And I can tell you from personal experience, He still heals. And so if you're suffering in your body today from sickness, I want to call on the Lord Jesus to touch you in your body and comfort you in your sickness, but more than comfort you, to heal you. Lord Jesus, it says that in the days of your flesh, when you walked on the earth, that those who came to you and were sick and asked you to heal them, you had compassion on them and healed them. Lord, I'm asking you now to have compassion on those who are listening to this broadcast today that may be suffering from a myriad of things. Lord, for those who have been given a bad report from the doctors, I pray that you, Jesus, the great physician, would touch them now. 
Reverse the decree of the doctors that they'll not live. Reverse the decree of the doctors that say this is incurable. Lord Jesus, with you, nothing's impossible. I ask you to touch and heal now. We bless you, Lord. We thank you that you are Israel's healer and our healer. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.